Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. All right, we're getting ready for our question and answer night. And we are going to prepare ourselves just like we have the last handful of services when we have talked specifically about what it looks like to engage and to respond. Now, engaging and responding looks different based on what activity it is that you're doing. And tonight, for question and answer, engaging and responding looks like asking a question or presenting something that has been stirring in your spirit. There are questions that have already been submitted, but there may be some time for more, or you can always write more down as they come during discussion. And we have an order of service that is unique and that was established. When did we start walking out our new order of services? About six months or so. (laughs) So there is great purpose. It's something we have been kind of newly walking out, but there is great purpose to the order of our services, right? We have a worship night that then leads us into a teaching night because worship goes first and it makes a way, right? Your praise makes a way. So we worship and praise, then we move into teaching. And when it was teaching night, we talked specifically about what it looks like to engage when you're being taught, when you are acquiring knowledge of him, not just a mind knowledge, but a knowing of who he is and a challenging of your mindset when it comes to what you've always believed about him, right? That there's a knowledge we acquire, but that knowledge comes when you engage. We talked about how to position our bodies to physically receive and to receive in the spirit. We talked about how to pull that spirit out as our apostles are unleashing, how to pull that and how to stir things up more by the way that we respond and we engage. We said, we're gonna say things like, yes, come on, say that again, that we're going to physically respond. Then we move from our teaching nights into heaven awareness. And heaven awareness, engagement looks like engaging in the knowledge that you acquired of him through teaching. So a revelation has come through teaching and then you engage that in the spirit realm and all of your senses are activated so that he can create new memories and that all of your senses begin to understand and grab a hold of that revelation. So you're experiencing the revelation so that it can be multiplied on earth, right? Then we move from heaven awareness into tonight, which is family night. So we are going to talk really briefly about the significance of family night and question and answer, especially as we are walking out the building or the rebuilding process, okay? So this week there was a specific word or I guess more of an image or a picture that I kept seeing all week. And it was a picture of what I imagine this, this, meeting of 
architects and electricians and project managers and um, plumbers and um, uh, supervisors and, and everyone who would be on site as a project is being walked out or as a blueprint is being erected, right? So you have the actual, the, what you see that will be built and then you have to walk out the building process and it requires a team of experts in different areas to come together and to build. And so one of the things that I thought was interesting was, I don't know if this is real because I have never been to one of these meetings, but I imagine blueprints like just sprawled out on the table and everyone is bringing their, their word or their, their, um, their anointing or their gifting in each area, that which they have acquired knowledge of. And they are just discussing how all of this is actually going to look as it's built, how it's possible. Well, if you do this then I do this, and then, well, how will this work? And all of that, that process and that it's done at, in my mind, it's done at a table, around a table. And so I saw our family nights as very much the same, especially during this rebuilding process, okay? That there is a blueprint that is being laid out for us. There are mindsets that he wants us to acquire and develop. And there is a blueprint that an architect has designed for the body of Christ to be erected, right? And every single one of us have submitted to a process of allowing an old structure to be torn down. And when we said yes to it being torn down, ultimately our yes meant we're in it for the rebuild, right? Now, that didn't necessarily translate to everyone because sometimes along the way, you're okay with a part of the process and then maybe not so much the rest, right? We know, we know that, we know that. But the point of our family nights is to ensure that as that blueprint is being examined and as pieces of that are coming out, as we gain more revelation on what it looks like to erect a structure, that this is our meeting time to present any of those questions and gain more insight and more wisdom as to what it will look like to rebuild to erect, to make that blueprint physical and tangible on earth, right? And when we say blueprint or the new structure, we know that what that means is we are rebuilding the bride to her original glory. And as we do, that other structures around us are going to be rebuilt as well, like government, like school, education system, right? Social services, all of those things are a part as the bride is rebuilt and restored to her original glory. So will the systems around her that she has been called to govern. Okay. So our family nights are much, much more than coming together and eating 
right? That sets the tone for what's to come because it is a family affair to govern and rebuild. But if we don't come ready to not only ask questions, but also to fully engage in the answers or in what's being released, then we will not make it into full ownership. So what I mean by that, this is a word that I felt like we really needed before we move in continually into question and answers in our family night services, okay? Is the word of Yahweh is that if we don't take full ownership, the integrity of the structure that is meant to be rebuilt will not succeed. Or or there will be issues, let me rephrase that, there will be issues with the integrity of the structure. Now, part of what that stirs up in me is my name. I don't want to walk all the way over there because I think it's not on live. My name is on that. Is your name on that? Okay, so that means, for me, what that means is my name is, is on the integrity of the structure that's being rebuilt. So it has me taking these moments and these opportunities very, very seriously because I don't want to erect something that at some point he's going to say, that has to be torn down again. It wasn't rebuilt with the integrity that I intended and it's going to fail. I need you to tear it down again. Or that Grace and Clara, my daughters, are going to have to tear it down again. It's my name. So nights like tonight and every night we get together corporately as a family, always, but but understand the significance of the rebuilding process that now more than ever, we have to be able and willing to receive how serious the gravity, the responsibility, the weight of what it is that is being presented before us, the revelation that's coming, the, the, uh, the challenges to our mindsets, right? Because it all has to do with the integrity of the structure that we're rebuilding. And one more thing to be pressing into when it comes to family nights, that our degree of ownership to which we say, I am a part of the rebuilding process. So I am going to fully own whatever revelation is presented and whatever it is that gets stirred up in my spirit and and Yahweh says, this is yours, this is yours to own, this is yours to oversee, you are now the project manager, you are now the supervisor, you are now the electrician, you are now whatever it is that Yahweh stirs up in you that is yours to own in this rebuilding process, right? That whatever that is, you will only be able to fully own it to the degree that you engage and respond. If there are no questions stirring in you, there may be a level, an ownership issue that he would like to press on. 
So yes, in everything that Megan's talking about with ownership and rebuilding or him building the new, um, it's just making me think about this month. And we all know that this is the month of Heshvan, right? Yes. We're learning that this is the month of Heshvan. And so this is the month that the flood started. So we all, and we do all know, <laughs> there's eyes like, oh, like, it was when it started to rain and everything was drowned out in this earth that God said, I, I no longer see that as something that I want on earth, right? So the flood came to take that life because he wanted to rebuild. So just like that in this month, we can recognize that there's a building that's happening we can recognize that there is a flood that is here to wash out all things that he doesn't want to be part of our lives. And um, I was thinking about Noah. So we all know Noah and the ark, right? We know that, I mean, what I knew of it, the rainbow and, and the animals came in two by two. But do we recognize the story about Noah being sent to build something that had never been seen before? to be moved into something that had never been seen before. You have a man walking around saying, it's going to rain. I've got to build this boat because it's going to rain. And people are like, what is rain? Like, I don't under, I mean, there was mockery. He was ridiculed. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something we may be up against? The mockery and the ridicule of what are you talking about? Church is going to stay the same. Things are never going to change. And God's like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually taking it all. Did we not declare that going into 5781 was going to be the year that Yahweh said, enough of the church structure. I'm going to demolish that to bring something new. So as a family, everything Megan's talking about, we're sitting here. I mean, picture it as if you were sitting with Noah. I mean, if we get to engage that way, if you are sitting with Noah and he's like, Here is the, here's the plans that I've been given, and he's breaking out, this gopher wood needs to be this long. Well, it, could that not be the translation of, we need to lay down Christmas? Like that is a, a layer of the wood, a layer of the building that needs to happen in order to get us to the next and what he's wanting to do, not only with this family in this region, in the U.S., but in the world. I mean, right? It drowned everything out, but a family that was willing to say yes, a family that was willing to say, I've never seen this before. I've never heard of this before, but I'm willing to obey with a radical obedience to Yahweh and what he's saying to do. That's the kind of history we get to be a part of. So as mom and dad get ready to come up, I just wanted to honor them for being willing to forerun a family as Noah's family did. I mean, just like Noah are coming with these blueprints and actually being questioned about it. Let's be a family that questions from a place of, I want to pull on what Yahweh is speaking to you in your secret time. Let's be a family that doesn't come with accusational questions of, I just don't get it. Like, why would we rebuild? What's, a, what's, what's rain? I don't, why would we lay down Christmas? That's dumb. Let's not be that family that brings accusation, but a family that pulls that oil out that has been pressed on in them in their secret time to, uh, to bring this family into this new. So we recognize that when during this month, it's all about new beginnings, eighth, eighth month, eight new beginnings, new anointing, that fresh anointing. Um, laying down those old structures and those old mindsets. So let's be a family that is willing to say everything I've ever known, I'm willing to lay it down to learn about something new. Can we do that tonight?
Can we pull on them in the way that Megan has given us? Very practical, face forward. Write notes, ask questions that are, that are honoring of, I wanna know the process that you've walked through. I wanna know what's going on in your secret time. I wanna know the secrets that he's revealing to you. Let's be a family that pulls on that tonight. And we just wanna thank you guys for what you do in your secret time on behalf of this family because I know that the ridicule and the mockery that comes is severe, it's real, but we're a family who's gonna stand guard of that and we honor what you've done to, um, to lead this family into something that this earth has never seen before. Yeah, I wanted to touch on, um, I don't know how many of you guys have Voxer or, or are on Kingdom Air's Vox what Megan was talking about was super powerful because what she was doing was she was setting us up for, um, for a, for a heart of, I guess what I want to do is I just want to, I want to catapult off of Megan and I want to lay a foundation of what question and answers are for. So when you sit at the dinner table, there's a natural, um, essence or frequency that you're with family, right? So there's this trust there. So Q&A is not an opportunity to be like, I'm gonna get them on this one. I mean, you can if you want, been there, done that, but I don't know how much building we're gonna do if Noah was sitting there with his own family and his own family is like, yeah, you're an idiot. I mean, right? It was the people that got washed out. That's one thing to have to deal with those questions, but to have to deal with the questions within your own family of like, yeah, I'm just, I don't really know who you are. Like at this point, if you're on live, if you're online, or you're in this family, you know who we are, you know where we've come from, and we're all in this together. And so what she's talking about is that when there's a blueprint in front of you, what she's talking about is that there's a level of ownership of knowing what I have to bring to the table to own what's on the blueprint. It is not for you, once you've signed up, taken the job, for you to come in and be like, yeah, I don't really like that, so I'm out. Or I don't like that, but I'm still gonna sit here and just tell you what I don't like about it because really I should be in this role. Does that, or, or because what she's saying is that the integrity of the building is based on what it is that you have to offer in your expertise, which is an expertise I don't have. But that expertise requires ownership to know the blueprint enough to ask the right questions to apply your expertise, not to waste your time on, I don't really wanna apply my expertise, so in fact, I'm just not gonna apply it. Right, because the meetings are not to just try to prove that the blueprint will work, it's to synergize, it's to, it's to operate off of, meaning the expertise that you have is what we wouldn't have. But in order to operate in a family that begins to catapult and off of the giftings is to have so much ownership that you actually have the questions to say, oh, what about this? Or what if we did this? Or, oh, I like this versus a totally different frequency. Does that make sense? I mean, you guys know, if you guys are at the dinner table, there's not this, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like an example. If we're at our dinner table, like if the kids would ask a question. Trying to think of like what an example would be. But just trying to operate from this place of if they're already at the dinner table, they're already at the dinner table. Does that make sense? They're already part of the blueprint. They're already adding and synergizing at the dinner table. So their questions aren't necessarily like, I don't know what you're gonna do with me at the age of 15, but uh, I'm not really liking the fact that you told me I have to clean my room. 
right? It's not like that. It's more of like the whys and the hows and uh, do you have a strategy of how I could do it quicker or I didn't understand this and it's pulling on what we have to offer versus like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I mean, thanks for cooking the meal, but does that make, it, does that make a sense? Go ahead, Janina. Well, and that's a great, uh, uh, for those that are on live, what she was saying is, is that she's realizing that there's a lot of things that are caught by your spirit, but she's not necessarily um, understanding it by knowledge. And I think that ultimately we, that is the new era. Because before it was, I'm going to make sure you learn something by your head and I'm going to make sure you get it in hopes that your heart will catch it. But now I would rather your heart catch it because your heart can see. And if your heart can see, your mind will follow. And so those of us that are still uh, struggling with a Greek mindset would be that right, wrong, good, bad. What is this or that? What about me versus you? There's this competitive, this, it, that's your brain functioning. That's, that's, uh, those are brain waves versus the heart catching it by the spirit, catching the revelation. That's what Megan was saying. You can't encounter. We want you to encounter knowledge. What that means is, is that you have permission now to encounter with your senses the knowledge that you're obtaining. So now you're experiencing knowledge. I'm homeschooling right now. My kids do not understand it if I just tell them a a certain math problem. But if I attach cookies to it, Rena gets that. If I have 15 cookies and I take away seven, do you have less or more? Oh, that is not good. That's less. If I just say 15 minus seven, she's like, 500? It's like, doesn't, and she's just like off onto something else. So what I'm saying is, is that there's an experiential knowledge that needs to come. We all encountered something last Friday, right? I hope you encountered something this morning. But as a corporate family, we all encountered something last Friday. Now that we've encountered the blueprint, tonight's a night to be able to kind of synergize and work out those, um, uh, I don't even want to say wrestling, because that actually happens in your encounters. What this is, is now that I've wrestled, now that I've seen and tasted that he is good, now that I've seen the blueprint, not because you told me what the blueprint is, but now that I've seen what's to come, now that I've seen that there's been no rain and there's gonna be rain, let me say what I see about this blueprint. That's a totally different family meeting than, can't wait to get to family night because I got some questions for them. Totally different. Anyways, but however it comes out, we're, I mean, you guys know, like we're good with that too. But I just want to speak to what Megan was talking about. It was such a good word because even in me, it helped me move out of that knowledge state and into the engagement state of being able to synergize of what is, what is going to come. Amen. All right. So just to add to that, before we even get into the questions, because I'm going to tell you half of them have to do with Christmas specifically. But before we even get into the questions, I think it's interesting because as we looked over the questions, we get like a pulse of where the body could be at, generally speaking. And in a way, I, I want to preface, before we go into the questions, I want to preface it by getting us all on the same starting point right now. Okay, we could all be in a lot of different places and I want to just get us all in one place before we even answer the questions, because a lot of these questions have to do with with uh, secondary or or byproduct 
type issues, if that makes any sense, when really the issue is what is our allegiance to? Okay, really, if, if you read Proverbs 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of Adonai is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy ones is understanding. Okay? If you talk about the beginning, it's a starting point. We all need to be at the same starting point. Okay? We all, if you talk about the fear of Adonai, it means reverence, honor, yielding my will to his. Okay, and this is another thing. When you gain understanding, when you begin to understand things, you also are given an intolerance for things that you used to tolerate. And it all depends on our loyalty, our allegiance, and what is it, who is it to? Right? We'll get into it, but what is our standard? Who is our standard? Right? These, these questions are... These are indications of these deeper things, right? This isn't just a flippant, well, I think, I think my family's going to do this, and I think my family's going to do that. And I'm not saying families can't do things the way they want to do things, but the starting point, the beginning needs to be the fear of the Lord, right? Do we honor him? Do we revere Yahweh? Do we respect him to the point that we won't tolerate things that are not of him? Amen. So I just, I, I want to get us all in that place because I've, I feel like we can get lost in the details of these questions when it really, we, we need to go to a deeper place to start with, right? We need to self-evaluate. Do we fear the Lord? Am I loyal to him? Do I show my allegiance to him to the point that I won't tolerate things when he gives me revelation of something new? I was just trying to look for this one thing because I just saw, what's that guy's name that, that I just asked to be my friend? The, the, Israel, the Israeli Holloway. Oh, will you look him up? Yeah, yeah. Will you just look him up really quick? Um, it was interesting because uh, there, there was, anyways, it doesn't matter, but it was, a, it was a, uh, an image and I, it sent me down a trail to study something. And the words were, right, one of the things we've been doing, and we're going to get more into it with language, but one of the things we've been doing is just breaking down the English, the English language. And that even in itself would be like, what do you mean the Bible I've been reading isn't right? Right? It could just be this like, you know, all we're doing is just breaking down the English and going back to the original intent. So even words like faith and believe, when you look at the original Greek or the re uh, original Hebrew, it's very whimsical. Faith and belief, but actually what it means is allegiance. What am I loyal to? And so there's a totally different... Um, uh, culture when you begin to learn the original intent of some of those words because it's like well what is faith or what is belief what do I believe in you know versus what am I allegiant to and uh, and what is it that I'm a part of it just kind of it just kind of changes some things so that was interesting that you had said that um, uh, I'm let me let me let me give two different examples and I'm not even saying that these examples are I'm not even saying that these examples are here. What we're trying to do is just make sure that we're laying a family standard or a foundation so that we know where we're coming from, so that we know what these nights are for. Does, does, does that make sense? So for example, I hope, 
I know that she's gonna be on live, that Lurie is okay for me to use her as an example. But she boxes me the next day. She goes, I just, I have all of these questions. She goes, number one, you're wrecking me. Number two, I'm all in. And the crazy thing is Jake's all in. But how do we do this? What does this look like? How do I navigate this? Totally different than, yeah, I'm not quite sure about that scripture you read because what I've been told is there's a difference. There's, we're not gonna get very far in that because to be honest, I, we're, you're kind of stuck there because that's a Greek mindset. We will end the conversation with wrong or right. But if you start with, I have no idea, right? There, it's a Hebrew thing. And we're going to get into this when you study the word. But there's different, remember we were talking about the ruby? There's facets. And every face has a different facet and a different perspective. Now, let me talk about that for a second. Because we've gotten that a lot. Well, um, you said every perspective is right. Okay, I was under the assumption that we were on the same playing field. Now, I'm talking about the emails that I get. I'm not, don't, I'm not talking about, in our, I'm just saying, it, the, the things that we'll teach will then be used again. Well, you said everyone was right. No, 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 no. Hold, that is not what I meant. I meant if you are going to meet me there and you're in heaven and we've synergized, there are facets and different perspectives of who he is. I'm not talking about partnering with lies, partnering with the demonic, hearing a different frequency and then telling me, well, you said that I have a, a role or I have a, a voice. So that's what I'm talking about. So the example with Lurie and Jake is it's awesome. Some of these questions uh, are amazing questions because we're going to get into practically how do we walk this out. And we totally want to do that. That We're not talking about being able to get into it practically. But what was interesting is that the questions did come in. We're more focused on what we're losing than what we're gaining. So it's a good pulse for us to know where we're at, that we are still having to uh, work that out, which is okay. But we've been in a loss state since 5777. That was four years ago. So for some of us, and this is a good thing for us to understand because as you begin to minister to other people, they're going to come alongside and then they're going to be in that process. And, and so there's this uh, ability to be able to minister from that place. If that, remember when I said, if you didn't get cut, you will? There are those that will, and so we have to be able to navigate those times. Does that make sense? Okay. What I mean by that is, is that uh, there are, well, never mind. It doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Okay. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that I can tell that even though it's been four years, some people, what? If you guys remember, I remember being at the old building and smashing Easter, right? And it still seems like it's a new thing, right? It's like four, four years later and I'm like, oh, I thought we've been doing this process. I didn't realize. I thought this was a good thing because we were talking about what we get to build. I didn't realize we didn't really tackle that four years ago. Does that make sense? And there's, it doesn't matter. It's all his timing and it's great and there's this process. But if it ever is like met with like, wait, what dinner table have you been at? I, I need grace to like <laughs> navigate through that. But it's a good thing because I need to know, right? We need to know as a family, if I'm going on and on and on, and all of a sudden Jalen's like, I don't understand any words that you're saying. Okay, I need to go, like, I have to evaluate what, you know, like one of the, I can't remember what one of the questions was. What is a suka? I have to be honest. I, well, that was Jason. And I think he was doing a rhetorical question to make sure we understood. But I had to ask Jason, Jason, what is a suka? 
Like I genuinely have to be like, okay, hold on a second because I'll, I mean, maybe I'm just like, I don't know what what's going on. Maybe I totally flew over something. The, does that make sense? Like there's an evaluation of like, oh, okay, we've got to go and we've got to go and look at that. So we're totally okay to do that, but I need the pulse. If I'm at a dinner table and then I never know that nobody, what is a suka? I don't want that question next year, right? So that's okay to deal with that now, but you know, I, anyway, so, okay. All right, first question. Should we just go down in order? Okay, so I wanna tackle these because I do wanna open it up for any other questions that didn't get to be written in or if they come in up tonight. Why is it bad to do Christmas if that's when most of the world goes to church? Wouldn't, be, wouldn't that be the best time to minister? I'm gonna pause for just one second and then we're gonna answer that question. One more thing before we get started. I wanna make sure that we also use these family nights not just to talk about what's been released, but to know that there is anything can be on the table. We did marriage counseling this week. This week and last week, probably more hours this week and last week than any other weeks in the last two years. So if there are questions about what was that one thing we should have learned during premarital counseling, let's get at that because that's all part of the building process, right? So it's not just necessarily about what, is, what we've been teaching, but it could be about anything that, um, that we have to navigate. Amen? Okay. So my, my response to this question first, now you guys know Hebrews usually answer a question by asking a question. Versus just giving an answer. So my question for, for those that have that question would be, is that really the time that you truly evangelize? Like, is that the time that you really feel like, I'm going to get them? Because it's a very valid question, but it then has to expose, what is my intent uh, during that time? Because I know for the last four years, I, whether we've been doing it at home or not, we're not, we haven't been evangelizing here. That sounds horrible. But does that make sense? Like we've been having services. We may not have like hit certain things head on, but like we have Passover service, but I'm not seeing the invitations flood the doors. So I guess to answer that question, it would be is, is that really the time that we can and that would be determined, I could answer it um, nicely or I could answer it boldly. Which one do you want? <laughs> if I answer it boldly, if you are evangelizing during that time, what are you evangelizing? And are you evangelizing him or church? And if we don't want church, then I don't really want to evangelize around a church structure because then you're only paying them into a program. They probably won't come back the next week and we just got a big tithe during that time and we lost them anyways and it wasn't true transformation and I don't really think that that's evangelizing. I think he's restructure, restructure, restructuring evangelizing altogether. Now, the nice way to answer that is I'm talking to my family. That doesn't mean that if somebody wants to do something because it's a way to honor Yeshua, awesome. That's fine. But for my family, I would rather put our focus and effort on that building structure and it's not December and March or April to get them in. Because I'm not trying to get them in. I'm trying to get them out. 
I'm trying to raise a family. I don't know how many meetings we go to. What are your numbers like? <laughs> you, you just wait. But I got some big people and that's what I'm after. I only need one daughter, one son. Noah only needed, there's three sons that built three nations. There's not, it doesn't, I'm after big people. Not that I'm after it, but I'm after, he is after big people. He's after, he's after the Stephanie's in transformation. He's after the Ambers that can actually go after her dreams and see where the bombs are. He's after big, he's after big, uh, big dreams, big goals, big things right? We're transforming the world. And, 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 and Yeshua walked that way. He only had 12. In fact, only three, right? So it doesn't take a lot to transform, but it does take mindsets to transform. And I'm after transformational mindsets. So again, the bold way to answer that is it depends on what you're evangelizing. Good? Okay. It makes me think of... Um... I was just thinking as she was answering that question. Well, first off, there's a difference. If people, if people don't have a, a level of understanding, if God hasn't awakened them to a certain understanding, we're not faulting those people, right? Like we've all celebrated Christmas because we didn't know any better, right? So, it's, so there's that awareness. But to me, this question, it's almost like, are we emphasizing... The, the best time to minister over what we're showing our allegiance to. Like we're elevating, this would be a good time to minister over what we're actually loyal to. It makes me think of um, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't like, let's jump in the fire. This is the perfect time to minister, right? Like a king, right, persecuted them, threw them in the fire, and it was their allegiance. Mm-hmm that changed the situation, yes. right? So we would rather say as a father and a mother, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and people be like, what is it that you are so loyal to that would make you walk the way that you walk? Mm -hmm. Rather than this season is a good time to minister, so let's throw a big party and we'll get a bunch of people in and we'll get them saved, right? Not saying that that's, not saying getting people saved is wrong, but it's just a different mindset. Mm -hmm. And then the next, uh, honestly, the next couple of questions are kind of the same. Um, and so I think I'm just gonna kind of wrap some stuff up all together. Uh, basically, how do we handle the holidays with family that still celebrate? And what I wanna do is I wanna just express some practical things. For us personally, it has been a process. So if this is the first year you're hearing the revelation and wanting to start to change some things in your family, number one, breathe. It's a process. We did not, you can, Larie's like, honestly, cold turkey is better for me. I think I'm just gonna tell everybody I'm done. I'm, I'm like, hey, that is awesome. For us, it's been a process within our own home and then also without, uh, outside of the home because you do have a lot of family that celebrate during that time and it is uh, not an excuse but it is a time of family get-togethers I mean the world operates this way you have two weeks off during that time so during that time, being able to uh, constantly put him at the forefront, that you're honoring him and his ways and family, and you're just you're you're basically putting 
who he is at the forefront than the tree and the stress and the gifts and all of that. And when it comes time to extended family, first of all, you've got to walk out your convictions the way that he asks you to walk them out. For us, practically, what that looked like was a process, and when we gained permission within the relationship to be bold about where we stood, then we allowed for that to be part of the relationship, and it's been about six years now, and over the six years, it's just started to transform into it's not even really there anymore, but it wasn't like that the first year. So my advice is to start with where you're at, especially with family. If you want, you can, but I wouldn't go in all bulldoze and just, especially if you don't have the revelation, you're on your own. Well, some crazy lady told us, and so that's just what we're doing. And, you know, I mean, and so, because you have to remember, those that want to follow Christmas are actually going to be ministered to when they see you do what you do in the fall. Now, that is a kingdom principle not a practical one. If you want people to see the light, they're watching what you did before the light came. So what you do in the fall will determine their hunger for what they don't want later. Don't come in preaching, come in showing. And there comes a point where our family is like, what is, and now this is still new for us because we didn't even, it was only this year that he started to build. So that's why I'm excited because it's just been a process of like, I don't know. <laughs> now it's like, look at what we have. And then all of a sudden your attention begins to turn. Does that make sense? Did that answer the question? On how you can practically do it? So for us practically with our kids, it was cold turkey. We flat out told our kid, it done. We're not doing that, we're not decorating, we're not, that, that's just something that happened. But the grandparents still did stuff. We honored that. And we honored the grandparents that if they're gonna pour into our family, we poured into them. But guess what? Wait till you guys hear about Hanukkah. Instead of one day, you get eight days. We've already started talking about the kids, about the, uh, the, the Feast of Lights and the dedication and what happens when you begin to transfer the light to one another and what traditions we can do if there's eight days and we have seven people and one person is doing something for each person and every night you're beginning to exchange. And there, he's giving us so much more versus us focusing on what's not there. So my advice would be to just take it a breath at a time and begin to just see how it is that he wants you to walk out his revelation. Make sense? Okay, I think I've answered all of that. Do you feel like we did that? Because uh, like one of the questions is, how do I lay down traditions? Well, one of the things is, is uh, again, being able to be bold about your allegiance. Why are you laying down a tradition? Know the why, know the understanding. Teach your family what it is that you're focusing on. If you can, um, if you can teach your kids, like, let me just make this simple. If you can teach your kids that I can fast because I need to lay down something in my life, why would it be any different? And why are we thinking that the kids are gonna have a hard time? Or is it me that's having a hard time, right? Yeah, I was going to say, the kids usually, it's easy. They're like, all right, I mean, all right. 
So, so yeah, so it's like, it's like being able, if you can explain, I am doing this because I love him, or I laid down that job, or I did this, or anything, I laid down a paycheck, or, or whatever. I mean, how many things have we sacrificed or laid down because he asked us to that we boldly tell our kids about, and then with this, we're like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, you know what I mean? So there's this aspect of just being able to teach them those principles. You lose your life, you gain it. Trust me, teach them now. Because when you have sons and daughters, when they're in their 30s and 40s, and they have not understood that scripture, it's a lot harder. So there's those things that you can use to use it as a teaching platform, not a uh, tyrant platform. You're teaching your family in uh, in the ways of him. I feel like real quick, this dynamic of this is what I've always known is so, I mean, we all have dealt with that. It's so pervasive and it's so, it can be extremely destructive because if you just rely on that and you don't, and you're not going back to the starting point of fear of the Lord, honor of the Lord, yielding my will to his, right? If you're not doing that with everything, Right. It, it, I mean, we should all be in a place of self-examination, evaluation of going to the word about everything. Lord, I've always known this. What do you say about it? What are you saying about it now? Right. Like that's I, I mean, hidden in that question. This is what I've always known to be right. We should be taking it. I mean, we should be taking those things to the word out of out of fear of the Lord so that we can begin to understand in a new way. Well, and even if, uh, I, I keep bringing this back to homeschooling, but even the kids, they, we have always known that math is, is 10 plus three. Let me think of an example. Okay, we've always known 20 plus three is 23. Right? Now, you have to erase everything you've known and you are not allowed to just squish the numbers together because they want you to think. And so now you have to separate the 20 into 10 plus 10 and then 10 plus three is 13 and then you add another 10 to 13 and now it's 23. (laughs) And Gabby's over here like, praise the Lord. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you mess with what I've known? But if you actually, you guys are going to have to quote me on this. I cannot believe I'm saying this. She's going to videotape me. I am understanding why I need to lay down everything that I've known about math because it came easy because they're teaching their brains to be able to think because they're actually showing them algebraic equations in second grade and they don't know it. Okay, she stopped recording. It is not good. Don't take my normal math away. Why have whatever I've known has to be, you know, but anyways, there is there is a there is purpose behind what it is that he's doing. And it could be like, that does not make any sense because literally Rena is on an IEP and she has 10 steps to get to the last step, and it's hard for her to understand even the first step. But when she gets it, And she's able to understand separating and adding. And all of a sudden, I think she's dividing in second grade. And they're they're tricking her. She's like doing division. She doesn't even know she's doing division. So so does that make sense? So what I'm saying is, is the kids, 
and they submit to the structure and says, okay, this is the blueprint. This is what's gonna get us farther. And so they're able to then uh, come into that and they're having to lay down how they did it so that they can do something different, okay? Um, and we could cut that. We could easily cut that off with our frustration right now. I'm not gonna do it that way. Cause I've always- Why can't you just drop the zero? Just squish it. It's in your, you don't understand. Um, yes, tag every single one of my kids' teachers. Um, so did that answer the question, how do I move forward? Okay, I don't know if I wanna tackle that one yet. Okay, um, number, okay, there's one. There is a question that is uh, interesting to me and I may not answer it because it's so interesting to me. So I, if, if this is your question and I don't answer it, seriously, just, just, uh, Correct me. Uh, is what we're being taught coming from personal conviction or is this the standard? So uh, the way that I'm reading that is that that means personal opinion because I would hope that you would want a mother and a father or a leader that would have his standard be our personal conviction. So am I gonna answer boldly? Is this our personal conviction? Absolutely. Has it killed me? Yes. You're not the only ones that are having to walk through it. We, wa we walk through it as well. So is it a personal conviction? Absolutely. Is it a personal opinion? No. He creates a standard, we rise to the standard, and then we dispense that standard, and then you guys rise to the standard, and then you have your next generations rise to the standard, and that standard would be a personal conviction. Does that make sense? I did I? I don't know if I answered that. Okay. Meaning, it's a good thing if it's a personal conviction. Right? Personal convictions are good as a result of the standard, which is Yahweh, right? And the, and the loving instructions of the Father, then you develop personal convictions. If you start with personal convictions and then you make standards, you miss the whole thing. Which right? we all know that this isn't a personal conviction because we've all walked this together, meaning it wasn't out of order because we all went through this together. It's not like we came in from out of town, you voted us in as pastors, and then we decided this was our personal conviction and we just came in and said it. It was a process. You guys, what I'm saying is you've watched Yahweh walk us through the process, and we've been transparent through that process, and then we're dispensing that process. Amen? Um, uh, let, me, uh, let me talk about this uh, dynamic, though. With... Um, with a Hebrew mindset. Now, there are many things in the scripture that can be interpreted, right? So if we're saying like, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, it was last Friday when you were like, these are the family standards, right? So if I was to say, I'm trying to think of something that would be debatable. What's something in the scripture that's debatable? Way to go big. Give me an easier one. Give me an easier one. Okay. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. If you, if you, um, there are essentials and there are non-essentials. I loved how the school says it. There are things that are essential. Yeshua died on the cross and rose again. 
Okay, then there are non-essentials. What are the gifts and what gifts do you have and can you do them loudly or quietly in public or not in public? It was the debate of my family's life with tongues. This was literally the debate. Tongues is not supposed to be heard by anybody else, but your church speaks it really loud. And I'm like, why are you listening to me? It was still personal. I just was loud in what I said. Now we're debating my level of loudness we're, on, we're off topic here. This is a non-essential issue. Yeshua died and rose on the, right? But now we're debating whether or not tongues is supposed to be whispered, interpreted, meaning the point was is that if I speak it loud enough, somebody believed that I had to have an interpreter since they heard me and my point was stop listening to me. You're just listening to me pray. I didn't have a microphone and then that gets into another whole thing if you're allowed to have a microphone and then all that stuff and we just keeps going down from there. That is debatable or a non-essential. I will boldly say the things that we are presenting are not debatable. However, the reason why I can say that that's debatable is because there are scriptures that they can bring to the table that I'm like, mm, makes sense. So if a standard comes at us in the family and we feel like it's debatable, search out the word and bring to the table, mom, it says right here, December 25th is Christmas and we are to celebrate his birthday. And then I would come to the table and be like, okay, I'm seeing what you're saying. And I, you know, like we would be able to have that conversation. The reason why I'm saying uh, that there are certain standards that are non-debatable is just because it's just like saying the cer certain things that you've studied that are convictions, that that becomes a standard. Does that make sense? So my point is, is that if it, let me say it this way. If there's something that's being presented, we're about to get into Hebrew heritage. We're about to get into Hebrew language. We've gotten into the feasts. We've talked about ministry of reconciliation. We've talked about blood versus blood. All of these things that we've talked about are obviously um, debatable on your territory if you're wanting to wrestle with them. If we say blood versus blood is the standard and you've wrestled through it and you are like, that is not kingdom, we've, we're gonna have to have a conversation. Like there's gonna be a greater conversation. What can't happen is, uh, um, is if you come to the table and say, that doesn't sound right, but I've never leaned in. I've never read the scriptures. I'm not willing to study. I just don't like what you're saying and it offends me and I'm irritated and I've always known it this way and I'm not willing to seek out something different. That's that's the different frequency I'm talking about. That's a whole different ball game than I have searched it out. This is what, oh, I mean, those conversations thrill me. Probably some of my best conversations are probably with, well, there's a lot of them. Dan's one of them and Tyler's another. He'll be like, oh, well, I thought, I was thinking this. And then I'll be like, yeah, and, and, then, and then this is what he showed me. He'll be like, and then he does this, hmm. And then he'll say something and I'll be like, oh, that perspective. There's this synergy, but it's after you've owned the blueprint to have enough in the game to even have a conversation. That's all I'm saying. I'm speaking to the emails. You've had no conversation. And then all of a sudden it's like, what? Because you're just not understanding what's coming out. So it's seeking that understanding to be able to have part in the conversation. Make sense? All right. I think that we've tackled all of the ones about the holidays. Does anybody have any questions that would be on here that did not get answered? Go ahead. Uh, when you say, when we're, when we're changing the family and you're saying, watch what show? 
or what part in the house? Are you just talking about any show? Like, okay. So what she's talking about, it's a really good question. So what she's talking about is the kind of the tongues thing. It's uh, that scripture that says it would be better if you didn't have a, what is that noose? And like to be a stumbling block. So there are things that I will say, I struggle. Um, I wanna make this personal. What? I struggle with food. <laughs> Okay, I am like half vegan, right? That is a conviction because I had an addiction to cheese. So I was addicted to cheese. And remember, I would be like, he's never going to take it away from me. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say it. There's, just don't ever say it. So he took it away from me. That is a, that's a personal a revelation because that is an addiction in my life that's not an addiction for you. So then what you would have to, uh, there's a couple things you can pray about. Number one, do I have an issue with cheese? And if she does, then am I supposed to be thinking about that? Or is he gonna bring it up somewhere else? The second thing is, is now that I know that she has an addiction problem, I should probably not bring cheese to her house. Okay, if you are a leader, and you all are, and there are people that are struggling with things. You do not do it in front of them. So if friends is not good, and I know that about you and we're in an intimate relationship, I'm not gonna be blasting friends in the back of, in my living room when you come over, right? That's honoring one another and in their personal convictions. So those are things that are personal that Yahweh's spoken to you about your walk. And usually it's not about the friends, show and it's not about the cheese it's always about something else which is why it's hard to be able to have those conversations i mean alcohol is one of them allowed to drink alcohol not allowed to drink alcohol it's a big one there are things that you can walk through did that answer your question and your question was can i ever go back if he says to yes if you're free from that and you feel like you're safe to be able to go back in that arena, I have a personal testimony. I had an issue. He took it away from us for eight years. He gave it back to me because he said, now that you're healed and whole, I trust you with this. There are other things like uh, sin things, like uh, pornography. He's never gonna be like, well, you've really mastered that. Go ahead and look at porn again. You know, you really, you've been good for five years. I think you can take a look. That, that. Does that make, there's sin and there's addict, oh my gosh, that is getting, right? Because addiction is cheese, but I'm not cheating. But it's still in my heart. It could have been cheating. If I love cheese more than Yahweh, it's absolutely just as bold as pornography. I can be like, that's gross all day long. Well, Yahweh's over here, have you seen your food issue? Right? There's so there, but, but the way that we walk it out is gonna be different. Okay, Logan, go ahead. Break the back of addiction. Oh, um, do you wanna tackle that? I've been outing my cheese issue. Uh, that's a, man, that's a, it's such a good question and it's a hard question. But I think sometimes we make these Sometimes we make addictions like these overwhelming things, right? Because we feel like we're in bondage, we're enslaved. So we make it this big, 
mountain of a thing that we have to tackle when Yahweh could be asking you to do something very small that could eventually release you from your addiction. So like friends, for example, if Yahweh says, I don't want you watching friends anymore, right? We could say, somebody else could say, oh, I'm totally watching friends because God didn't tell me that and it's fine, right? And they could be right. But as a father, he could be saying, I know what you're going to deal with and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to essentially start picking it apart now. I'm going to start building up your obedience to me, mm-hmm. your diligence, your steadfastness, whatever. So when these things confront you, you've he's set you on a path to be able to overcome that. And so, man, breaking the back of addiction, Logan, it's relationship, it's um, transparency. Logan will text us and call us and vox us. This is what I'm dealing with right now. And honestly, Logan, I want to tell you, that's pretty rare mm-hmm. for a young man like yourself to just open up and say, man, I've been struggling with this. I've been dealing with this. What do I do? That's, how, that's part of how you break it. Because and- a bigger thing, what the enemy wants to do with addiction, he uses it as a mechanism to get you to isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? The addiction isn't the end game. It's the isolation, the separation, the shame, which will eventually cause you to just take yourself out of the game completely. And uh, a lot of times what he will begin to do is once you have conquered the transparency after and you recognize like, okay, there's no shame and I have accountability, he'll start to uh, bring in prevention measures. He'll start to come in on the before end instead of the after end. That's why a lot of people, I feel like they'll look at us like we're nuts because we are so crazy. We're we're like Katie, right? That intentional, why is this a big deal? Because it's a big deal. Because I don't want it to be a big deal later. So there's prevention measures. So people will think it's crazy when I talk about, okay, we've talked about the sending. This whimsical, we're going to send them. Do you want to know what sending looks like? Come here. This, Logan, this was like five years of our marriage. We probably need to start doing this again. Okay. Give me your hands. I'm going to work. I'm going to go be a hygienist. He's home alone. Okay? The computers are plugged in. Do we need to unplug them? We do? Okay. (laughs) Usually it was a no. But we would go down the list of what my triggers are, what my insecurities are. We would talk about, is the phone off? We would begin to talk about different things to send us into our day. You do that, the enemy is squashed with talking to you. When we talk about sending, we're talking about you send one another into an environment. You begin to expose before. But usually what religion does is, why do we gotta talk about that? Why do we gotta expose that I'm, I'm dealing... Can you imagine as a wife, are the computers plugged? What? I, I haven't looked at porn in years. Yeah. Defensiveness is not. Right? Gonna, look, that's not going to Look, <laughs> if anything, I'm just trying to throw my, ins- I'm just, I'm needing you to be like, woman, right? Grab me by the arms and be like, I ain't looking at nothing but you. All right. I'm going to go be a hygienist. 
<laughs> right? I'm not, I mean, but normally what happens when you begin to send is it's like, what, why are you talking to me about computers? When really I'm like, what you looking at? right? Send me into my day, vice versa. So what I'm saying is, is how to break the back of addiction is you're constantly putting it at the forefront and you're not looked at as being crazy for having to lay down crazy things like cheese. Because most people will be like, Ugh, why are you weird? I don't know, but I don't want to deal with what I know we've dealt with before. So I'm going to be obedient in the small so I can gain a lot. Does that make sense? All right, go ahead. She wants to know, when do you know if he's asking you to lay something down? Um, for me personally, it's a, a nudging, and I'll start to feel it. Like when I start preaching, he's never going to make me lay down cheese. It's probably because he's like, right? So it's kind of like it begins to be a nudging. Typically, it'll happen in your secret time, or if you're reading the scripture, or if you're spending time with him, you just begin out of relationship to start to see where things are and whatever it is that's hicking, like that there's a hiccup, he'll begin to take you to a deeper level so that you can get it before him. If it, okay, let me, let me break this down. Her question is, how do I know if I'm just thinking it or if he's saying it? Let me tell you guys something. You guys are so powerful. Who you are is created by him, in him, through him. You are him. He's inside of you. If your thoughts are bringing you closer to a relationship, it's him. If your thoughts are causing confusion, chaos, strife, frustration, fear, something else is at play. Now, that does not mean Yahweh makes it all rainbow and roses. There will be things that will press on us and irritate us, but there's this Peace of I feel a corrective, loving father press me in some things. There's a difference. If it's causing, no, I don't, even irritation is the wrong word, but just confusion and all that, then it's the wrong thoughts. But your thoughts are his thoughts. Got it? Well, so, okay, okay. So. Her question is, what if I have to lay something down that's an assignment in school? What she's talking about is submitting to other structures while you have to submit to Yahweh. That is a valid question for all of us. Because what you're saying is, is how do I lay down the assignment of Christmas in that structure when Yahweh's telling me to, right? So there's... Um, First of all, relationship is always a foundation. Remember when we talked about having permission to be able to walk out certain things is going to come out of relationship. So if it's an assignment, like let's say, for example, uh, there's a situation where you have to read a story about a witch and you are not going to read a story about a witch. That is where you reach out to your teacher with the foundation of relationship and you express to them your convictions. I guarantee you, right, Gabby, that your teacher would find another way for you to obtain the comprehension without having to read about a witch. And that has happened to us. Go ahead, Gabby. I was just gonna say that. The other thing is offering the solution. This is that synergy at the dinner table. When somebody comes and goes, I don't like that. Okay. What? What would you like to do with that? Versus, here's why I don't. Here's what I need to do. And then you can begin to have a relationship in that way. Go ahead, Katie. Um, 
so, so, okay, so this is kind of, Amber, your question that you had for us about flying. Okay, so as a family, you might have, or I don't even want to say as a family, you may have a conviction that you're not going to wear masks, but then you have to get on an airplane, and you need to get somewhere, and you're like, well, now what do I do? They're telling me I have to. This is where you have to decide your personal conviction, how far. So for example, you could do the video. You just might not get nominated. You could be like, I don't wear those things. I mean, you could do that. So you just, you have to decide what you're willing to carry or not carry for the outcome. So one of the things that we had told Amber was, was that look at it, not about the masks. When you go into the airport, you have a right to bear arms, not at the airport. So you have to look at it because she was like, but if I lay that conviction down, then am I wavering because it's convenient to me? Number one, the fact that you self-reflected, you're fine, get on the plane. (laughs) It's usually people that are like, I just want whatever's convenient. I'm gonna do whatever I want. I don't, there's no issue there. So now you're free, right? You're getting down to the root of convenience. So now once once that's free, then you're free to decide. That's what freedom does. So does that, does that make sense? So you kind of just have to decide where you're going to, what hill you're going to die on. Zeke. God is powerful. Is that what you said? God is powerful. He is, and he's powerful in you. <laughs> I wanted to um, ask a couple of these questions to make sure we get through them. Got to do number eight. Number eight. Go ahead, do number eight. So this question says, what is assimilation and what does it look like in our country now? Um, I, a little background on this question. I don't, I'm not even saying I know where this question is coming from, but um, we had a question over the last couple of weeks, I think it was last, was last week the Suka? Was that last week? Two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Um, we were pretty fired up, right? About forefathers and fathers setting the precedent and sitting their children down. This is what we're gonna deal with. This is what we're gonna be confronted with and you do what you see me doing, right? Like that type of intense situation and things are at stake and the, the gospel that we uh, carry now was died for, right? It's pretty intense. People could say it's pretty dramatic. And so one of the questions a couple weeks ago was, it, they didn't really say, why are you so fired up about it? But it was like, who, who's they, who's the enemy? What are they trying to take from us? Or what are they trying to make you do? Right? Like, who's trying to make us do anything? What are, what are we being made to do? Right? Like right now. Who's our enemy when we said that they were like, just eat a little bit of pork. And that analogy of what are you gonna fight for? The question is, is what does that mean for today? Who's saying eat a little bit of pork? So I think fundamentally with this question, the way that we look at it is, okay, who's trying to force us to assimilate to something that we don't want to? And the issue is, is that we've, we've been so assimilated for a long time that God's trying to undo it. Like we've already been assimilated into something that had nothing to do with the loving instructions of a father, right? Which goes back to the allegiance. What are you loyal to? Do you fear God 
as a starting point to greater understanding, right? Like we've already, the things that we've been assimilated into in our culture, in the church age and things like that in general are things that God never intended us to be involved with. They're not things he commanded us to celebrate. They're not things, some of the things that he even mentioned in the word. And in fact, we're disregarding his loving instruction. And so we've already been assimilated to a certain extent, all of us, right? And so it's not like this looming threat, this imminent thing that's about to come that we're trying to prepare people for. It's, it's something that's already been happening for a really long time. I think uh, ultimately it was really powerful. The question, the answer was, was, well, what is, what is the enemy? Well, because it, I think in the question it was, but we're allowed to do whatever we want, right? Because there's that freedom. Meaning we don't have like a government that's trying to assimilate, to make us, right? We're not in that. But the enemy is actually that you're allowed to do whatever you want. That is the enemy. <laughs> the enemy has said that, they're, that you're, you're allowed to do whatever, that there's so much... Um, tolerance and so much, uh, right? The enemy is basically saying you're allowed to do whatever you want because what he's getting us back to in the original intent is being able to understand that the law was given as a loving instructions from the father. And we've gone so wayward that we're disobedient sons. We don't understand our inheritance. We don't even understand who he is, what he said, what he says to obey. We don't even know who he is. I mean, I don't know how many times I meet leaders, um, well, I don't know if I even want to go there, but I don't know how many times I meet leaders and they're, they don't even read the word. They're going off of a 10-year-old revelation. My revelations yesterday are boring. I don't mean that in a bad way, but he's, his, if, guys, what's the word? His mercies are new every morning. What happens is, is his mercies are new every morning. So I'm going to obtain his mercy when I feel like it, maybe once a week. Never, oh, that was one of the questions. How, okay, this is so good. How do you maintain joy in the monotony of your day? Like how do you stay engaged and rest and enjoy while, during, by, while doing earth? How do you do both at the same time? That is part of it. Falling in love with his breath, that he is in everything. This is what I mean by we're crazy and we're nuts and we're intense because I think the color of that chair means something. I think the four legs you're sitting on is meaning something. There's somebody sitting by you. You're engaging some things. And so it can seem like it's nutty, but I don't want to be part of this earth. And I don't want to operate in the frequency of this earth. There's a different frequency out there, and it's in everything. Do you know how many of you have done music chemistry? Or biology, I don't know. We're chemistry, right? Is this solid? I mean, yes, it is. But if I was to look at the molecules, is this solid? He created this world. What is inside of this that's moving? There's an energy. All of a sudden, if you don't cry out, guess what will? All of a sudden, something begins to come alive, and I start looking at the table a little bit differently. But I've always known it to be a table, and I've always been told that it's solid. It's not. In fact, it's so not that when you operate in the same frequency of that molecule, you can walk right through it. 
There are story after story after story where they walked through walls. And I know I just spoke out the rain. I've never seen that before. What happens when sons and daughters begin to know their identity and begin to start looking at everything and know that that's, what, that's how you maintain the joy? You begin to look at everything. What does it mean his mercies are new every morning? Not just a quote. I'm going to quote that scripture until I get it. Look up the word mercy. Look up the word morning. There's a whole lot more than there is to just English. What does that mean to wake up in his mercy? What does that mean for it to be in the morning? What is it? What, is this making sense? If I can get you guys hungry for the word, every single, I'm just going to say scripture, every single scripture, I've said it over and over again, we're going to keep saying it, every single sentence in the word, every single period then, from capital to period, okay? How many are there in the Bible? A lot of sentences right? One sentence is like an onion that is 72 layers deep. And within the first layer, you can study it in four different dimensions to obtain a mystery. One sentence, 72 layers deep, four ways to study the first layer to obtain a mystery. That means one sentence has 72 mysteries for you. And you tell me the gospel's boring or we've dumbed it down to once a week. That's why I say my revelations yesterday are boring because if I'm operating at every single sentence has 72 mystery, I hate this word, nuggets of just truth and gold and treasure for my life, you would, every breath is a treasure. Every, every, so did that answer the question? I mean, I understand you got to walk it out, but there's that, there's that active engagement when before it was like, oh, I guess I have to read the word or I'm not going to read it at all. I'm just going to say what I've been told about the word and I'm going to believe someone else. That goes for me right now. I do not want, I will, there will be no point that Yahweh even sent us here. There would be no point if you were raised even six years from now and said, I never read that scripture. I just said, well, I just read, I just took what you said. That is not Hebraic at all. It is about being able to teach those to be able to lean into the word to obtain the revelation. That's what brings that joy. Amen. That was, Gabby, I know you're standing right there. That was, I think, the last question other than who are the mothers and fathers of the faith. That was the last question that came to us. So you can come on up here. Just to answer really quickly, mothers and fathers are really, there's m many. So what we released last week was uh, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All I want you guys to leave with tonight and from last week is that they're not just Bible characters to teach you a good lesson. They were actually living beings that are in the cloud of witnesses looking to you to say, can you get this? Because I had an assignment and now you have one and you're wasting my time. If you're not engaging them is what I'm saying. If, if you're not understanding that they're not just Bible characters, but they are people that have been assigned to you to continue the gospel in the assignments that they had. That is who the mothers and fathers of the faith would be, but it would be really anybody in the Bible and, of course, anybody that you uh, look up to. I just wanted to say something practical real quick about that last question. Um, 
like when you're talking about being subjected to earth and finding joy and rest, um, one of the one of the biggest times where I find joy is when I'm being subjected to something and all of a sudden, because of a fear of the Lord, because I'm taking things to him and he awakens me to understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. If that makes sense. So like, for example, us trying to sell our house, two, two floods, two incidents of major water damage, not selling the house when everybody else is selling. And I could easily get frustrated, but there was a moment where God said, this is why I'm allowing you to go through this. So then all of a sudden it's like, man, then I totally understand what the father is doing out of that reverence of taking it to him. He gives me understanding. This is why I'm letting you go through this. So then I see the value in it. So, well, and allowing to go through, but also for you guys to understand heartbreak and pass and things like that. If you love him, what's the scripture? All things work. If you love him for his glory. So it's finding his glory in all things. It's recently happened to me where he just now, after 10 years, brought a revelation into our lives about the miscarriages that we had. And I could still be at a place where it's just bitterness, trauma, hurt, weeping, no understanding. I don't understand why that happened, but he takes us through from his perspective and brings the trauma into a place of our story and actually restores it. Doesn't just put a Band-Aid on it and go, I'm good. That is not what he does. He actually comes in, brings himself into that trauma and releases it into his story that brings him glory. So even the things that are negative, you can always find joy because maybe in the moment, he's all acting like he likes to be subjected. That's all him. I, it takes me a little bit longer, but, but eventually it's finding those moments quicker and quicker because you're obtaining a new history. When you obtain that new history, then it's easier in that moment to be like, I know the joy is coming. So I'm going to be able to attack this in him before it even comes. I think we only got through some papers, but those were some great questions. They were great up. questions. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.